Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. Father, I just thank you now. Father, I thank you, Father. I thank you that we are new creations in Christ. Thank you, Father, that the old is passed away and the new is here. Father, I thank you for a fresh revelation this morning of who you are in our lives. I thank you, Father, as we study your word and what you have for us today, that our eyes will be open, our hearts will be open, our ears will be open, and our lives will never, ever be the same again. So I ask you, Father, this morning that you would just speak through me what you have for this church, for this congregation, for those sitting here, for those listening online, for those listening to this later as it's recorded. Father, may we see our identity as you see us. When we look in the mirror, may we see the wonderful creation that you made. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to read a scripture here, and then I'm going to talk about a few things this morning that uh, will make you a little bit uncomfortable. So sometimes the Lord speaks to me to make you all a little uncomfortable. And in the meantime, while I'm studying and I'm preparing, I am uncomfortable with the things that he is speaking and ministering to. So we're going to have a little time. There will probably be a little fewer amens earlier in this message than normal, and that's okay. But I know that there will be some amens at the end because I want you to see what God's word truly has to say about us and who we are in him. You know, the, the word, uh, you know, we continue to talk about miracles, and we said that just because we're starting a new series, miracles are not going to stop in this church. Physical, healing miracles, financial miracles. Well, my lovely wife had a word of knowledge a couple weeks ago that said that she felt the word forearms. She heard the word forearms. Well, guess what? Just, I think it was last night or two or three days ago, we had the testimony come through that someone's forearms were completely healed of something that was bothering them for a long period of time. Hallelujah. Praise God. He is good. He is a miracle-working God. So I just want to keep encouraging you with testimonies because we moved on from that series. doesn't mean we've moved on from miracles. We are still marked by miracles. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you are in Christ, if you've made him Lord of your life, if you have made him your Savior, if you are in Christ, you, he, you, me, he, she, is a new creation. Oh my goodness, a new creation. You are a new person. The old things are no longer part of who you are. It doesn't mean just like that video said, you may stumble, you may have challenges, but hold on a second, you need to see yourself as a new creation in Christ. Those things that had a hold over you before, you now have the ability because of the name of Jesus and what he has done to break those chains in your life. 
He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Those old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I want to open with a story. So uh, a few weeks before school started, uh, the Lord woke Liz up in the morning and she was listening to a message and he basically downloaded to her that we are supposed to send three of our children to Leadership Christian Academy. So we were... Again, just like we're talking about how Abraham was, he listened and then he obeyed. We said, okay, Lord, we've been homeschooling for many years, but we are going to do what you've asked us to go do. And we got Jairus, Ruby, and Noel attending Leadership Christian Academy, amazing school that we have right here. And it's been a blessing to us, it's been a blessing to them, and it's an amazing thing. God really worked out all the details. Now, I say all that because our sweet little Ruby on day one or two they began to learn about the brain, and, which is amazing, right? She's a first grader. They're already talking about the brain and how it works because, you know, hey, it's up here. It's important. We need to understand how it works. And what they did is they did a little uh, art project, and what they did is they made, you know how kids put on, you know, they make these things that go around their head, and then there's a little brain right there. And they were talking about how big your brain is and, oh, it's like the size of the two fists and all this other stuff. And they said, well, write something on there that you want to think about. Write something on there that your brain is focused on. Write something on there that makes you think a little bit and how you want to be or what you want to do or what you want to know more about. Are you ready to hear what Ruby wrote? Ruby wrote, I want to know how to be a queen. And first I was just like, oh, okay. That's interesting. And I said, no, wait a second. Whoa. That is awesome. Absolutely. What has happened to us as adults that we no longer think that because we are God's family, like we can't be kings and queens anymore. I don't believe that that's what the word says. The word says when we are part of his family, we are kings and queens in his royal family. And I'm looking at my six-year-old saying, absolutely, I want to learn more about being a king. I want, my, I want this congregation and this church to learn more about being a queen and a prince and a princess because that's who we are in his sight. That's who we are and when we walk and when we talk and when we act like royalty, like a king, like a queen, it begins to transform who we are, changes how we think, how we act, and we're able to minister better to others, which is ultimately what God wants us to go do. All that, I was like, yes, thank you, school. Thank you, LCA, for giving me a great sermon illustration. Where's, where's Dale? Is Dale back there? Yes. Thank you, Principal Chateau. I mean, okay, this is great. So this is what I just started believing for and thinking, like, I want to begin to teach more on this. And we're going to get into this probably more next week, because I got some things where you're not going to want to amen as much here as we go into this week. So I ask myself, what happened to us? You know, kids, kids get connected to these Disney movies, right? Like Cinderella and all this. And why do they? Because... There is something in that, that these people are sitting at a higher level. They're part of a royal family. They're part of something that is special. And these kids connect with wanting to be special. And somehow we take that off of them. Somehow we put stuff on them that cares and concerns and all these things of life. And eventually nobody wants to be Cinderella anymore. You know, but we are part of God's kingdom. The Bible clearly says that we are kings and queens in his kingdom. Somehow our identity gets stolen. And I started to ask the Lord, how is our identity stolen? What happens to us 
as adults, as we grow up. And I started talking last week about the nicknames and how important your name is when you're growing up. And then I, I kind of stopped here, but like when we get to middle school, like middle school is, I know they're not in here this morning, they're down there probably trying to find their identity, right? Middle schoolers are just always trying to figure out who they are. I saw a picture of myself, this was a while ago, of myself in middle school. I do not have it here. I did not put it up on here because if I, you saw it, oh my goodness, you guys would be a ruckus laughter in here. Like, what was I doing in middle school? Like, I didn't know who I was. I had like semi-long hair, but semi-short. I was wearing a silk shirt. This is the school picture. I was wearing a silk button-up shirt with like these collars that were pretty big, and the colors were like, oh, what on earth was I wearing? And so I realized, like, as I think all of us as we go through life and in middle school, and some of us even as adults were like, who am I? What am I trying to do? What am I trying to be? What is my life supposed to look like? And we begin to search for things on the outside, and we begin to put them on like clothes. We begin to put them on like clothes and say, oh, well, that group kind of accepted me, so I want to be more like them. Or I'm athletic, so I want to, you know, put on the athlete coat or, you know, the varsity jacket. You know, we begin to get our identity when we're young into what we do, not who we are. What we do, not who we are. And what happens is, is as when you go through school and if parents, you're not intentional about helping your kids in these situations and understanding who they truly are, what begins to happen is they put on all these idols, we will call them. And they begin to act certain ways, begin to do certain things, because and even as adults, we are, we are guilty of this, we begin to act the way maybe somebody else wants us to act. We begin to say something that somebody else really wants us to say. Or we wear a jacket because a, a pastor's supposed to wear a jacket. I don't know. Who's, what is that? You know, we begin to put stuff on ourselves. And I do this. I'm with you guys. That's why it's tough. We put on these idols. And I don't typically like to use uh, acronyms in my teachings. You know what an acronym is? Like when you take the word, let's say idols, and then each of the letters within the, the word idols stands for something. But I'm going to do that this morning. Because I think it's important. And I didn't come up with the names uh, of each of these words, but what God ministered to me is the content within them. So we're going to start with the letter I. So if you're taking notes, uh, you can write this down. And before I get to the, actually, before I get to the letter I, I want to say a couple things. Most of us, listen to this, this is important. Most of us do not know we have an identity crisis until there's a crisis. I'm going to say it again. Most of us do not know that we have an identity crisis until there's a crisis. You don't realize that you put your identity into that job until the job is gone. Oh, parents, we put our identity in our children, and when they move out, empty nest happens, and you know the number of divorces that happen after the kids leave is absolutely phenomenal. How can somebody be together for 25 years and then get divorced because the kids moved out? Because we don't know who we are. And we put our identity into somebody else. Into something else. The, major, the number one time for divorces is at like year seven and year 21. Year seven is there's kids that are happening and a house and a mortgage payment and a job and we have lost our identity and we're just chasing after things and then it happens again when the kids leave the house. Those are the two biggest times that there are divorces, statistically proven. 
It's because we are looking for identity in all the wrong places. Identity does not come from education or the world or anything else but impartation. Identity comes from impartation, and impartation comes, if you were here a couple weeks ago, I taught on impartation, it comes two ways. It comes from the word of God, and it comes from a prophetic word from God. So if it's not in the word of God, and it was not spoken correctly, prophetically over you, then it is not your identity. It is not who you actually are. You may be trained to be a physician, you may train to be a lawyer, but that isn't who you are. That is what you do. And there's a very, very big difference between the two. So we put idols on. Exodus 20. I want to read through this real quick. Exodus 20, Ten Commandments, starting in verse 3. This is kind of nice. I've been doing a little Old Testament, New Testament here. I'm usually New Testament. The past couple weeks I've been like going back to the Old Testament. It's good. It's actually the whole Bible. Yeah, hey. The plan of redemption, God's story for man, is the whole Bible, not just the new, but it's both. So it says in verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Okay, verse 4. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, right here, or that is in the water under the earth, that you shall not bow to them, nor serve them. Ooh. This is what an idol is. You think, well, I don't have a golden calf that I've melted down all my jewelry and formed into that I worship. But we worship things of this world and we begin to put that clothing on and begins to uh, identify who we are. So number one, the I is items. Items. What do I mean by items? I mean consumerism. I mean things. I mean the car that I drive. Come on, guys. I mean, I'm a manly man because I drive a manly truck. What? What? Where in the Bible or a prophetic word does it say that you are a man because you drive a truck? I see women driving trucks all the time. Yet we say, well, because I need to, well, I can't drive a minivan because then my identity is like something different. You can be just as much of a manly man walking out of a minivan as you can out of an amazing Silverado pickup truck, if that's your thing. You see, but we, we think we begin to identify ourselves with what we drive. Oh my goodness. So I'll tell you what, guys. Things in this world are so very disappointing. We have been driving a super old, beat-up Honda Odyssey like forever. The thing was like falling apart, and then it was time to get a newer one. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be so exciting. It's going to be so amazing. I'm going to love this new vehicle. It's going to do all this for me, and I'm going to be fulfilled. I'm seriously, I'm so excited. I've waited so long. I got this new minivan. I'm just like, ah, what is wrong with this thing? It doesn't even accelerate like the old one did. Like, and I find every problem with it. Honestly, we do this, like, we think something is going to be amazing because it's from the world, and we think, oh, did you see that commercial? This thing is going to be awesome. And then you get it, and you're like, oh, what is wrong with this thing? I'm not any happier. I don't feel any better. I don't feel any closer to God. Like, my iPhone XS, like, the XS, like, I thought maybe, like, I was going to be, like, this amazing experience with this new phone. What? It's not even that much better than the old phone. It was like $1,000. Like, what on earth am I thinking? But I had my expectation up, like this phone was going to be so awesome. But it's not. 
It's not. The things of this world, the idols that we create to define who we are, like I'm a Samsung person, I'm Android, I'm iPhone. Oh, you're... These are things that we put on ourselves that are not part of what God says. What about what we wear? Oh, how do I look? Am I wearing the brand name? Am I wearing the designer thing? What about this? Now, look, not all of you struggle with all of these idols, this acronym that we go through. Some of you will struggle more with some of them than others. Some of you will struggle with all of them. Some of you will struggle with all of them because, let me just tell you, it's not always your fault. You struggle with many of these things because there is missing bricks in the foundation as you were being raised up. You are missing bricks in your fundamental foundation that you need to fix this morning. You need to plug that hole. You need to get that piece of brick and stick it back where it's been missing for years because you've been getting your identity from somewhere else because of how your parents treated you or what happened to you here or what happened to you there. We have to get rid of this stuff in our life. Where I live. Hmm. Exactly. Where I live, the identity I take where I live. Well, I live in this neighborhood. I live in Fairview. You live in Girard. <laughs> My school district's better than your school district. Like what? Like we begin to put our identity because I'm from Fairview? Are you kidding? No, but we do this, church. We do this. I'm, I'm telling you, we do this. Well, the material things that we have or do not have does not determine our identity. It does not determine our identity. The size of your bank account, the numbers that are in the bank account, how many numbers do I have past the decimal point here going to the left? Yeah, this would be how many numbers before the cents. Does not determine your identity. It doesn't determine it. It could be a fat zero or one digit, or you could have seven or eight digits. It doesn't define your identity. It just says how much money you currently have in the bank. The second letter, D, duties, duties. This is one one that I struggle with. Well, I'm a pastor. I should do this. Mm, The word should. As the word should continues to come out of your mouth, the word should, you need to recognize that right away. Whoa, 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 whoa. If I start saying the word should, should what? Because who said Because of how I feel, or what someone else did, or as I'm comparing myself to somebody else, who said? Well, I'm a student. Well, I'm a firstborn. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. How many of sometimes we get introduced as, oh, you're Pastor Jason. Hold on a second. My identity is not Pastor Jason. My identity is Jason, the the person that God created at the beginning of time and formed me. My The actual job that I do, the calling that I have, is to be a pastor. That is different than my identity. So that duty that you have, you are head of school, or you lead a missionary organization, or whatever you do, isn't your identity. And what happens is, what I said before, is you begin, you don't know there's a crisis in that until you lose that job. Until you have to change professions. And now all of a sudden you don't know anymore who you are. This happens. This is something I struggle with quite a bit. O. I D O. Others. Oh. Oh, Father. People pleasing. Oh, my goodness. Like this is a, this is real. Okay, this is a real struggle for me personally. What others think, 
What will others say? I begin to define my responses and my actions and my identity in what other people think it should be. I walk around too often trying to make people not upset when the right answer is to actually make them upset. And it's actually good for them if I make them upset. Just like this message. Some of you all got it. Pastor Jason, I can't believe this. I like the truck that I drive. I don't even like a Silverado. Mine's a Ford. Okay, no. Like God's telling me to make you guys a little uncomfortable this morning. And that's uncomfortable for me, okay? Like this isn't like what I, this isn't my MO. Like this is not like what I do day in and day out. (laughs) That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's just not my MO. God's command, if you looked at that command, God's command does not say that we get to have a bunch of excuses about what other people think to make that an idol in our life. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare. So many of us walk around with a fear of man. And what will people think? What will people say? And we're trying to raise to some expectations that somebody else has on our own life, but not truly being who God has told us to be. Some people call it approval addiction. But the rest of that verse is, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. If you trust in the Lord for your identity and who he has made you to be, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, what he has actually sees you as. If you can walk around with that new identity of who you are in Christ, that new creation, and the words that describe you are now the words that you use when you're talking about yourself, it'll completely change your life. Completely change your life. People put their identity in their gender their race, their church. Their church. Churches do this. I'm not saying we do this, but churches do this. We joke sometimes that we're called, you know, Pentecostal church, charismatic, full gospel. Like, what? does somebody have a half gospel? Like, are there, where's the three-quarter gospel churches over there, the half gospel's over there, the quarter's over there, but we have the whole 100%. Like, whoa, wait a second, guys. Like, we, this is his church, We need to be careful. The famous preacher Jonathan Edwards said this, if you idolize, you demonize. If, listen, if you idolize, you demonize. Church, I'm going to get real here for a second. Republican or Democrat? No, no, guys. We begin to idolize that the Republicans have all the right answers and do all the right things, and we begin to demonize the Democrats. I know Democrats. I know Christian Democrats. You can't say, you can't make a general statement that all Democrats are bad because I'm a Republican. We begin to idolize, we begin to put our identity in our, in our political affiliation. No, 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 no. Nowhere in here does it say we put our identity in our political affiliation. It says we put our identity in Christ, who he is. Election season is going to be coming up. Well, it's here, and then there's going to be a bunch of primaries and whatnot. I would just encourage you, one, know your candidates, know what you're doing, please vote, but do not begin to put your identity in the party that you are affiliated with. Penn State versus Ohio State. This is a real struggle for me personally. I seriously met somebody in in my neighborhood like, I go out walking a lot. I like to meet the neighbors. Like, randomly, I bump into people. And I bumped into a newer neighbor. And I said, hey, I'm Jason. How are you? What's your name? He said, my name is Eric. I said, oh, how you doing? Where are you from? He says, oh, I'm from Ohio. I'm like, oh. 
I said, okay, where? He says, Columbus. Oh, you mean like Ohio State, Columbus, like the university, the Ohio State University? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like my wife went there, like, yeah, we love it. I'm just like, oh. Like, we're in Pennsylvania. Like, this is Penn Penn State University. Right? So we begin to, like, put our identity. I put my identity in being a Pennsylvania State University graduate. What? Where does it say that? And then I demonize the Ohio State fans. Like, there's something wrong with them. Okay, church, we do this. I do it. We do it. When we struggle, we're having this fear of man because we're caring too much. But here's what we need to do. We need to care more about what God thinks about us than what others think about us. We need to care about more what God thinks about us, not what others think about us. The L, longings. Longings. I don't mean hope. I mean longing. I mean constantly, truly believing that my identity will be different, my joy will be different, my peace will be different if I can just fill in the blank. If I can just get that promotion, if I can just get married, if I can just become a professional whatever, then I will have the peace. Then I will have the joy. And we begin to define our identity with a longing for something that's in the future, not with who God says we are today. Today. There's a longing for the future. And it's not bad to want something, to go after something, to have a calling on your life, but it's not good when you put your actual identity in something that you think is going to happen in the future. Well, as soon as I have kids, it's all going to be better. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Who, who, who says that? Those who don't have kids. <laughs> Those who don't have kids are just like, man, as soon as I have kids, it's going to be better. And the, the challenge is, the struggle is, Many of you will say, my marriage will be better as soon as we have kids. Oh, my goodness. No, 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 no. That's actually the opposite. You need to get your marriage right. You need to begin to understand who you are in Christ and what you're participating in that marriage before those kids come. Now, I get it. Sometimes you can't help it. It happens. And God is gracious and faithful, and he will work through all those details. But too often... We think something, a longing for something that's going to change in the future begins to identify in how I act today. The last one, S, this is a tough one, sufferings. We begin to identify ourselves, we put on identity through the things that we have suffered. You know, the Bible says that in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me... You may have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Many of us go through emotional suffering, relational suffering, physical suffering, financial suffering. Let me tell you this, you are not your best day, and you are not your worst day. You are who God created you. It's because you had cancer or have cancer, that cancer does not define your identity. If you were divorced or in the middle of a divorce or got divorced or married ten times, that does not define your identity. You understand that? It doesn't define your identity. It may explain you. It may, you may understand, well, okay, I understand this better. Because, but that's not your identity. 
They don't define who you are. So what do we do? This is great. Pastor Jason, thank you so much for showing me all the ways that I struggle and all the ways that I have put on these coats and these jackets and all these clothes that are of the world and of what I'm looking and searching to do. But what do I do about this? I'm going to give you two things to do. Two ways to combat this. To see this thing differently. To understand this differently. And I will tell you what, it is only by the grace of God. Church, we're talking about being marked by miracles. It is only by a miracle of God he will continue to sustain you as you begin to take these things off of your life. And you begin to see who you really are in Christ. Lord, give us a miracle. The first one is to take off the old stuff. It's, it is, it's something you actually have to intentionally do. If I were to go home and take off my Sunday best and put on my football watching clothes, which I'm absolutely planning to do, <laughs> opening weekend of the NFL, I have not forgotten that. And I'm going to put on my, my lazy pants, my shorts, and kick back and watch a little football game. I have to intentionally take these off. I have to intentionally change the outward identity that, I'm, that you see right now. I have to take these off. In the very same way, the things we have put on ourselves, whether by our upbringing, whether somebody else put it on us, or whether we put it on ourselves because of how we're thinking, has to come off. And I'll tell you what, sometimes the things that are on us, it's like, they're, it's like a straitjacket on us. And it has bound us up and it has become very, very difficult. Anybody ever try to get out of, like you see, like the magicians, how they, then they toss them in water, like get out of this. Like, whoa, this is how we need God's help. Like we need a miracle of God to take off some of these idols that we have put on ourselves that begin to identify who we are. We have to take them off. Back to 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to go back to verse 16 and then read through 18. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now thus him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. You've got to take off the old stuff because of what he did. You put your identity in him and the old stuff starts coming off. Those things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now all things are of God. Oh, all things are of God. The only thing that he wants us to put back on are what he says we are. The things of who God says that we are. It's no longer the things of this world. That's what the scripture's saying. You take that stuff off and you only put on what God puts on you. And as I said in the beginning, the only thing you have to worry about putting back on is what's in the word of God and what has been spoken prophetically. It's from impartation. From him as to who you are. We have to strip all the other stuff away. In fact, it never really was who you were in the first place. It was a disguise. We walk around in a disguise, not truly who we really are. The real you is no longer the old self. If you're accepted by Jesus and you are, you are now a new creation. If you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are now a new creation. The old is gone. You now have love, peace, joy, righteousness, all the things that God has promised for you. And what I find interesting is we have to begin to clothe ourselves from the inside out and not the outside in. 
See, that's the difference. The world puts on stuff from the outside. When we strip it all away, what we have to go do is then build it back up from the inside, from the spirit man. Who is God telling us who we really are? And what is he really telling us? And that's how we have to clothe ourselves in the future. Let me tell you, this is going to be a fight. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to repent from putting on some things, some, some idols that you have placed on your life to define who you are, and you're going to have to get them off. And it's not going to be easy. And we have an enemy, church, by the way, which you all know. We have an enemy that roams around seeking to destroy. He's roaming around looking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so do you think the enemy is just not going to say, well, oh, I'm going to leave this church service and this identity that I put on for so long about being a people pleaser or this or that, I'm going to now take that off. You think the enemy is not going to come and start trying to put things in your life. Somebody say, oh, well, uh, uh. oh, this is going to happen. You need to stay strong. You need to repent. You need to be strong in him, strong in your prayer life and reading the word of God and knowing exactly who God is says that you are. Because when he, the enemy, says one word, you need to combat him immediately with a truth. When he says you're a failure, you say, no, I'm a success. When he says you're ugly, you say, no, I am beautiful. Every word that you struggle with, everything that you hear the enemy lying to you and saying to you is something he's trying to put on you. He has to rise up from your spirit and say, no. No, this is what God says that I am. And the second thing we need to do is we need a name change. We need a name change. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, it says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. No longer sinners, but saints. With all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Saints, we have to understand that our name is no longer sinner. Our name is now saint. We need a name change. We need to begin to see ourselves not as a sinner, but as a saint. And it says, well, how do I do that? Is you have to continue to call on the name of Jesus Christ, your Lord. Continue to call on his name. The word sinner means you are prone to sin. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But if you begin to call yourself who you really are, which is a saint, you will begin to act in the same manner. In the Bible, many people had had name changes. Jacob to Israel, Abram to Abraham, Saul to Paul, Simon to Peter. And why was that? Each of them needed a new name. They needed to see their identity in a new light. So I'm telling you, church, this morning, you need a name change. So that every time a different name gets called over you or the enemy speaks to you, you begin to say, no, 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 I am righteous. I am forgiven. I am strong. I am a conqueror. I am all the things that God says you truly are. Abram means exalted father. Like, ah, that's pretty good. That's cool. But no, no, no. God said, no, I have a name for you. And Abraham means father of a multitude. Wow. Not just honored, but a father 
of a multitude. Church, it's time for a name change. Worship team, if you want to come back up here. You know, I was reading the story of the prodigal son to my kids during their nighttime devotional, uh, they call it character time. It started with a character book like years ago. They still call it character time, and I guess technically it is. But we're reading through like the, the Jesus Calling book is for, like, for kids. They have this little one. We're talking about the prodigal son. And as I was reading that story, the Lord just really revealed to me something. And I'm not talking about the son that left and came back. I'm talking about the son that was there all along. And what happened is, and too many of us, we're in the family of God, and all of these things are available to us, much like this son was. Like, well, well why did you do all this for, all, for him? He ran away. He took all this stuff. Why did you do And, and what, the, what the dad said was like, it was all here for you. You just had to ask. You just have to ask, and you just have to receive. And so this morning, I want to pray a name change over you. And that you receive a new name in Christ Jesus. Of who he sees that you are. And not a name, a, a name like Jason or Liz or Lila or Grace. But who you are in Christ. And I want that to be your new name. Not mom, not dad, not pastor, not son. Not doctor, not student, but blessed, forgiven, redeemed, joint heir, righteous, conqueror, victorious, ambassador, partaker, chosen, loved, a temple, a light, the elect, full of mercy, firmly rooted, raised up, healed, and holy. This is who you are. This is your new name. Do not walk out of here with the old name anymore. Begin to put those bricks in that foundation that we're missing. Begin to understand who I am now in Christ. Your new name. The enemy is going to try to lie to you. So I highly suggest you pick just one or two words. Right now, even as I'm talking. What words resonate with you of who you are in Christ? Think of them right now. Put that word or two in your mind right now. Because I'm telling you this afternoon, a different word is going to try to come on you as your identity. And you're going to have to say, no, this is my identity. This is who God says that I am. You say, what about my calling? Does that define who I am? No. Your calling is something God ordained for you to do, not necessarily to be. Your identity does not come from your calling. If I had never accepted the call as this, if we never accepted the call to be your pastors, and we missed that calling for whatever reason, I still would be the same person in his eyes. Would I have missed it? Okay, yeah. But my calling doesn't define who I am. It defines what I do. So if everybody could close their eyes.
and just bow their heads for a minute. I just want to say a prayer over each and every one of you for strength to take off the things that you put on or others put on you and to walk out of here with a name change. Father God, I pray I pray for your people this morning. I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works, and their effects. I pray against the lies we believe. I pray against the lies that some are believing right now. And Father, you say it's not too late. They have not gone too far. It's going to be okay. Lord, I pray for humility. I pray for repentance. I pray for truthfulness on behalf of your people. Jesus, you've come that we might be born again. New creations, new people, new identity, new life, new purpose, new worship, new destiny. Lord, I pray that each of us would belong to the Lord Jesus. And for those who want to know him this morning, I pray they will understand their new identity in Christ. And that they would understand and realize that an identity from God is received and not achieved. So Father, some of us might be students, workers, teens, singled, married, grandparents, divorced. Some might be fertile, some might be infertile, some might be rich, some might be poor. Some might be black, some might be white, some might be young, some might be old, but those who have accepted you are in Christ. And Father, I pray that we will take our identity from who you are and what you've done. And Father, I thank you for a name change this morning. Father, I thank you for the strength to remove the things that need removed. And Father, I thank you for a name change this morning. Father, I thank you that you call us as you see us, blessed, forgiven, redeemed, righteous, a conqueror, victorious, ambassador, partaker, chosen, loved, a light full of mercy, firmly rooted, healed, and holy. Father, we receive that as our identity this morning. We receive that as our identity this morning. We thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. If you need prayer for anything in your life, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you need prayer for your marriage, your healing, whatever, small group leaders, they're making their way up now. They're going to come up here. They are available to pray with you. And I want you to have a blessed, amazing, joyful, wonderful afternoon and week with a new name, with a new focus on who God has created you to be. Have an amazing day. Go enjoy some NFL football. Have a great day. Amen. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. 
Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly faith communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.